Hello everybody and welcome to episode 20 of the Shiny Bees podcast. Pack up your troubles. Today is Friday the 22nd of August and coming up in today's show we have a roundup of my adventures at Unwind, the latest from the Lush Pod Knit Along and an interview with Claire Devine and George of Yarngarden. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. I'd like to extend a very hearty welcome to any new listeners that we've got with us today, particularly if you've come to the podcast via one of the other podcasters and you're taking part in the Lush Pod Knit Along that we've currently got running between myself, Caithness Craft Collective's Louise, Knit British's Louise, also known as Cagney and Lacey, and the ever-wonderful Amy of Knit, Pin- Knit Spin Cake podcast. So how are you all? How have you all been? Are you enjoying your summer or what's left of it? Because it seems to have got pretty cold over the last couple of days, which is always good news for the knitters as we get out those dusty woolens and freshen them up ready to wear for as long as humanly possible over the winter. I have been very busy, very busy lady actually. Um, mostly with preparing to move house. As you all know, I'm moving house again. I'm moving next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Luckily, um, we get movers who come and move us and pack things up in a rather haphazard manner and uh, break some of it on the way to uh, our new house, which is going to be up in Elgin in Murray, which is the very north of Scotland. Not as far north as Louise of Caithness Craft Collective, mind, but um, definitely within sort of meeting up commuting distance with her which will be very very good fun I think and we had the man come today to see how much rubbish we've got and um, apparently it wasn't good enough to count the amount of rubbish we had last time and just say yeah you still got that amount of rubbish possibly a little bit more and they had to come and have a look at all my rubbish again and they did and disappointingly I could have had another 17 cubic meters worth of stuff to move um, but I don't and uh, it's been suggested that I should fill that 17 cubic metres with stash but I'm not entirely sure I have the yarn budget for that at this time however uh, maybe I could start with some kind of distribution centre and just uh, fill my house with yarn and and then just send it out on behalf of all the other indie dyers it would be quite good fun I think other than that I have been uh, single parenting uh, as my wonderful husband has been away uh, and his little trip to the South Atlantic for the summer. It's been very snowy. And uh, I think he's he's finding it all a little bit kind of Groundhog Day now. So he's looking forward to coming back, bless him. And uh, has kept his spirits up by listening to the podcast. And he took uh, he took great delight in reminding me about how inspirational I called Oscar, Oscar Pistorius. And now he's on trial for murder. Um, so we'll reserve judgment on, on that until the jury is actually out. But yeah, um, he was just like, yeah, so uh, do you remember when you said this? And I was just like, oh. Well, at the time he was quite inspirational. He wasn't under suspicion of murdering his girlfriend. But hey, moving swiftly on. Um, I have been quickly uh, busy with... Uh, I'm doing a foundation degree. Quite apart from all the other stuff that I'm doing. I'm doing a foundation degree in interior design. And I had an assignment due in um, that involved basically designing a whole office uh, layout and things. Which, which took quite a long time. So although I was hoping to podcast sooner than um than now it just transpired that didn't work out i finished all that work and went off down to my mum's in the noble town of wigan 
for a little bit of uh, sanity because it's summer so nothing's none of the baby groups or anything are on and a lot of my friends have moved or gone away so I went down to see my little mum and I was hoping to get a bit of recording done then as well but I ended up coming back up here unexpectedly because my friend's baby isn't very well and it transpired that her baby's got a hole in the heart and is quite sick and she's going to need open heart surgery over the next month and I normally stay with her um, but obviously I just didn't want to be in the way and not so much me because I'm quite useful I can make tea and I can hold the baby and I can change nappies I can do all of that but it's my feral children or rather the elder of my feral children that tends to be a little bit excitable at times and I just felt that she didn't need any extra excitement in her life at this stage so but the baby is fine at the moment and they're going to fix her up they're very confident they can fix her up which will be really good news It'll be really good to see um, her well again so this is my first podcast, as I mentioned, um, since Unwind. The other thing that happened, um, because my life clearly isn't exciting enough, and it's been a while since you've had a um, an anecdote, so I'll treat you to this one, because it's funny now, it was not funny. It was not funny at the time. Um, but I, It was mentioned in passing on Twitter, so you might have seen about this, but uh, we had a little bit of an A&E incident, and luckily it transpired, it was not a serious A&E incident for us, um, but at the time it was potentially could have been, and what happened was, it was like five o'clock, and my friend had just quickly nipped round uh, with her little girl, she was about she was about to go in for a, C, a plan C-section, um, on the Monday and she nipped around I think it was the Thursday evening to pick something up that I had for her and she walked through the door and HBM absolutely loves this lady she thinks she's brilliant um, probably because she's quite strict um, and she's got a little girl that she loves to play with so she ran to the front door said hello to her you know very excited and we were literally 30 seconds into a conversation in the hallway which goes straight into the kitchen when I heard a funny kind of squealing noise and I went to the back garden because I thought well that's not a normal whining noise I better go and see what she's done and when I got there she was kind of holding her mouth open and it looked like she had something in her mouth uh, I got quite cross at this point because it was getting near to bedtime and I'd kind of had enough and I just said spit that out spit it out now what have you been drinking and she was like I don't know and I was like you do know what did you put in your mouth show me and uh, she was just like I don't know so my friend went back in the house got a glass of water and said look you need to rinse your mouth out with this water and spit it out and she's like can you show me where you were when you put whatever it is in your mouth in your mouth um, and clearly she was much calmer than me and the beast complied and walked us to the very end of our garden which it takes me an hour to mow it so it's probably about 40 feet long it's a really large garden and behind the shed where I found a box of liquid tabs yes she had stolen the box in the literally 30 seconds that we'd had gone to the end of the garden hidden behind the shed opened the hitherto unopened box of liquid tabs with some ease it would seem and decided to try and eat one now luckily 
she didn't see she didn't actually eat any of it other than I think the bit that went in her mouth because when I actually got to Ninewell's hospital and started to look through the box um, because I literally went that quickly um, I found the liquid tab and quite a lot of liquid in there but still she'd stolen the box of liquid tabs off the sideboard I thought she couldn't reach it but clearly she could and um, took them and took them to the end of the garden now we don't normally have liquid tabs in our house the reason for this is when we're in South Africa there was a spate of children who had done the exact same thing and they'd gotten the liquid tabs and they'd eaten them and it actually killed them. Because this stuff is extremely nasty stuff. As the guy, the lovely doctor said at uh, Nine Wells and said, look, it, she's probably not eating any of it, but she's going to have to stay in for a little bit and be monitored because it is extremely low tolerance on the chemicals that are in there. That is why we don't have them in the house because she knows what washing powder is and she knows not to touch it. And she knows what conditioner is and she knows not to touch that. But she's never seen these before. The reason they were in the house was because Mealy was meant to be taking them with him on his trip. And he couldn't pack them because there wasn't enough room. So they were left in the house. And they, they are, the box is in, is in literally no way at all childproof, as I found out. And um, we got to the hospital and they were really, really good. They sorted her out. There were loads of toys, which... It's kind of a mixed blessing because she always wants to go back to the hospital once she's been to see their toys. And um, we had to be monitored. And luckily, luckily, there was no damage. She didn't even burn her mouth, anything. I think because she realised very quickly and we acted very quickly, there wasn't a problem. And it was a good job, really, that Sanimal wasn't around because if he'd picked it up and tried to eat it, he might have had a bit of a better go at it than her. Um, But yeah, they're not... The, the box is, is literally not childproof and apparently this is a massively common occurrence and they get about five of these per week just in that hospital so please i know you're not as stupid as me please be aware that that these box the, for some reason they want to eat it and the box is really just so flimsy it wasn't even an open box and uh yeah she smashed it ran to the end of the garden hid behind the shed and tried to eat it so we are now referred to that as the regrettable liquid tab incident of 2014 and it was just very lucky that there was no kind of lasting effect from that. So, with my nerves in tatters, pretty much, I then went down to my mum's and I was just like, this child is possessed. You need to you need to step in, Nana, and, uh, and work some of your magic, which seems to have paid off, I think. And the other exciting thing following on from the last episode, on a completely unrelated note, was I was absolutely thrilled to see how many people have made octopus toilet roll covers as a result of the octopus pattern pick in particular in record time might i add was jen who is dq knits on ravelry who smashed out one the next morning crocheted one on a toilet before i'd even pretty much got up and uh, it very good it looked too so if you've got any octopus toilet roll cover pictures that you want to send please send them in because heaven knows i need some morale right now so please send them in and we'll all have a good giggle at those with you so i think without further ado we shall press on to the next section which is the rundown of unwind So as you are all aware, because we've all been banging on about it for months, I went down to Unwind Brighton 
which took place on the 12th and 13th of July in the Brighton Corn Exchange, which is in right in the middle of Brighton, just behind the uh, Royal Pavilion. And it was a fiery teachy extravaganza, essentially. I went along to have a nosy, and mostly because um, it was a good excuse uh, to go to a fibre festival and hand off the children to my, well, not long-suffering, hardly suffering at all in-laws, because they're too far away to suffer. Unlike my poor mum, who's now got a week of small children to deal with, after dealing with them for several weeks already. And um, they live in Lewis, but they used to live in Brighton. So, obviously, I was um, insistent that we needed to go and visit Granny and Grandpa. So we went down and I really like Brighton. My husband's family lived in Brighton for a long time. His dad used to be a vicar and they used to be in the vicarage in All Saints, which is in Patcham, which is a little village that is just as you get to the end of the A23, where it crosses the A27 and you turn left to go into Brighton. It's a little village just on the left there. And we actually got married in Brighton, in fact, at his dad's church, naturally, and uh, had our wedding reception at the end of Brighton Pier. So it's a place that's quite important to both of us. So any excuse we can uh, use to get down there again is always a good one in my book. So we went along. It was, as always, a very sunny day and very hot in summer. And I think someone it might have been Karina Westman was talking about it potentially raining and uh, I said it never rains in Brighton it's always boiling don't bother packing any knitwear and although rain was indeed forecast and when I got out of the car it was raining literally 10 minutes later it wasn't raining it was cracking the flags and um, it continued pretty much in that vein for the whole weekend in fact it did get really really hot at uh, certain points in the Brighton Corn Exchange but luckily and for some reason, P-Hop manages to play a blinder with this every time. We were right next to the door, so it was a little bit cooler uh, for us than it was the people down the far end of the hall. As I mentioned, I went along and did a couple of hours helping out with P-Hop, pennies per hour of pleasure, on behalf of Kate, um, who couldn't make it this time. And, and seeing as I'm a TGS partner in crime, I'm now also a P-Hop lackey and like to go and help out with that whenever I get a chance to as well. So I was going originally going to go on the Friday to set up the stall but I I just couldn't actually string a sentence together by the time we actually, we got down there and I'd driven down there by myself with the children and the dogs and it was red hot and the aircon in the car just wasn't working very well it was really busy and I, I just thought I, I actually cannot face going out of the house and driving 20 minutes into Brighton and setting up the stall now I just can't do it I'll go in the morning which is what I did and thankfully uh, the lovely from memory I think it is Elsa B um, but her rather name is definitely Pantoffles lovely South African lady came by and I started talking to her uh, whilst I was setting up and she very kindly offered to help me set up um, I think she listened to the podcast well at least the South African section and um, yeah she stayed to help me out and we got all the uh, all, all of it together just before <laughs> just before it opened the tunnel was like we're opening now and kind of still sticking the shawls up but it's all good it went really well and uh, also at this point, I'll give a big shout out to uh, Heather, who was the best P-Hop person ever on the store. She was brilliant at selling patterns and she's just really nice and unassuming and everyone just got sucked in and was like, yeah, I'll have some patterns. Whereas I was desperately trying to 
cajole people into getting the Diana sweater pattern, which is a pattern that's been donated to P-Hop. And it was, at one point, she wore this red sweater, like a colourwork sweater, with all white sheep on it, apart from one little black sheep. And whoever designed that has donated it to P-Hop, so it is available. Diana loves it, you will too, is is the uh, the tagline on there. And uh, I did sell one, actually, to Nick of Yarns on the Plane, because she, she shares my quite a silly sense of humour and I think a couple of others did go in the end um, but probably not through my efforts in all honesty and also the lovely Alice who was helping uh, helping out on uh, the Sunday we had a good chat then um, I went along by myself initially and met up with my friend Kate who is Gin Genie on Ravelry go make friends with her because she hasn't really got any Ravelry friends she doesn't do Ravelry very much and she just needs to um, this is my friend that I'm going to have the matchy matchy socks with, the matchy matchy monkey socks. And I went around introducing her to everyone initially as my tight Yorkshire friend Kate. Um, which she, I thought she's going to actually hit me in a minute so I better stop doing that. So I did stop referring to her as my tight Yorkshire friend Kate because she's not actually tight at all. She just doesn't like putting the heating on and referred to her as my, my friend Kate with the matchy matchy monkey socks. So I met up with her and also I'd planned to meet up with Claire Devine of Yarn and Pointy Sticks and we went around and had a good look at all the stalls before quickly running upstairs to meet everyone at the podcaster meetup. It was lovely to go to the podcaster meetup and meet uh, lots of listeners and there were a lot of people there so I do apologise um, that I'm not going to read out any names because I don't want to read out so many names and miss one person out and for them to feel bad. So I think the only fair way is to not read any out at all. <laughs> um, but it was really lovely to meet you and see you in real life and to chat to people. There was lots of running around with badges and excitable squealing and there were a lot of other podcasters there, some of whom I've met in real life before, uh, such as Nick from Yarns on the Plane and others that I feel like I've known forever like Louise Caithness Craft Collective and I've never actually met her in real life. She's much cheekier in real life than even she is on the podcast. So that was good fun and we also, I also got to meet Green Triangle Girl from A Playful Day there who is really tall. And several people over the weekend commented to me and said, wow, you're actually really small in real life. You sound much taller. And I'm not sure why I am sound taller than I am, but it is something that has been mentioned before. In fact, it got mentioned on about three of my appraisals when I was in the Air Force that I'm small, but I don't act small. <laughs> I have a presence that is, is bigger than my five foot three stature um i'm not sure why that is actually um i don't know if it's like little dog syndrome like a little jack russell who thinks they're a doberman but less yappy i don't actually bite people or or yap <laughs> that much but um several people said to me what you're, you're really actually quite small in real life um yeah i am five foot three i'm a bit of a diddler because i'm northern and that sort of thing keeps you alive you know if you can get down the mines and not bang your head and get under that machinery then it's that's a good thing so um i am quite short and green triangle girl from a playful day is is not i think she must be about six foot because i don't normally notice when people are taller than me because in my head i'm six foot um, but with her, it was noticeable. It was like talking to your teacher. You know, when you're little and you, t- you have to look up, she is that tall. 
Um, but very friendly and very nice. Uh, along with Martine, who is as lively in real life as you'd expect, and the lovely Charles, who is also statuesque. And he was much taller in real life than I imagined, but he was as lovely as he sounds as well. So we had a great time during that. And we also afterwards got to chat with some great yarnies. There was a very good selection of vendors there. Quite a good mix. What I liked was it wasn't all the usual suspects because I do now get to go to quite a few of these. In my capacity as chief yarn hunter at the Golden Skein, which means I get to go to, to yarn shows, essentially. And um, <laughs> it was good to see um, some of the usual suspects and a good mix of people that you don't see around often. In particular, um, some vendors from the continent and Signature Needles, which who pitched up at about 11 o'clock and I managed to get a set for Amy and It's Been Cake because... Uh, there was nowhere else spending 35 quid on needles I'm sorry I'm just not doing I don't if someone wants to send me some and give me some that's fine but I just I just couldn't do it so but she did and they look lovely they look lovely but uh, I just couldn't couldn't stretch the budget that far because I was busy going to buy the yarn for my lush pod knit along and I knew that Blackie Yarns were going to be there and I'd already emailed them to check that they would have enough of the colour that I wanted. So I went along to them to buy my yarn just before the podcast and meetup. So it was very kind of like, must be quick, must hurry up and, and get up the stairs quickly. I also picked up there the prizes for the Lush Pod Knit Along, which I'll talk about in the next section because it has got its own section. But I very much enjoyed diving in face first to the blacker stand and more about the swan yarn a little bit later. I also got to interview a few people whilst I was there and these will be in the show over the next few episodes as the schedule dictates that I've kind of planned with the people that I've interviewed and one of those is today. I chatted with George uh, the, the seriously the most driest kind of deadpan guy ever I can tell he's like roaring with laughter inside he's actually crying but his face is just like poker face massively and the ever lovely and terribly excitable in this interview I think it was it was the end of a long day and she was just getting a little bit hyper blesser um, Claire Devine of Yarn and Pointy Sticks that was a joint interview and that will be coming up later in the show I also got to chat to Victoria from Eden Cottage Yarns and she'll be in the next episode. And then there was another interview that uh, will be out sometime in September and I will keep that a little bit secret until then. Oh, we also, I went on the Saturday and the Sunday, we also went out for a nice sushi lunch on the Saturday because we did need a bit of a break. The It was a very excitable atmosphere, it was very vibey, the venue was very exciting but it was very warm and there was lots of stuff going on and we just needed a bit of kind of fresh air and time out so we went for a lovely sushi lunch I think it was Nick from Yarnstone Plains first ever sushi um, but my friend Kate and I always go for sushi when we meet up so that was the only thing that was going to happen for lunch and that was lovely because the venue is very close to a lot of the theatres and bars so there was lots of choice for that and on the Sunday I went back again it was a lot more calm on the Sunday and a lot easier to get around, although most of the nice stuff had gone, as you would expect, including some very nice yak blends that I had my eye on, but they were completely sold out. 
the only other purchase I made other than the blacker was from Triskillian Yarns and that was a 70% baby alpaca, 30% silk I think blend. I don't have it to hand, um, I will check that and I'll link to it in the show notes in a very pretty raspberry colour that just kind of fell, just fell in, into the basket along with quite a lot of blacker yarns. Um, so all in all it was a very enjoyable event. The marketplace was quite small but I think it was the kind of combination of things they were looking for. It was small but there was lots of good stalls in there and obviously the teaching programme was quite large and varied and I think um, between that and the party as well it was a bit more of a rounded event. I know quite a few people came, went to the marketplace and went home because they're more just shoppers than learners. Um, I I did really want to go to some of the classes but I just in the end thought no it's I, I'm just going to stick to the stick to the plan go go look at the marketplace speak to people I need to speak to because it unfortunately isn't all just having fun I do have to do some schmoozing and some networking and chat to people as well I know it's a terrible life and you have no sympathy and neither would I quite frankly so don't feel bad just stick another pin in that voodoo doll and um <laughs> I think it's probably something I will make the effort to go to next year, assuming it is on next year. I think it will be because it was very. It seemed to be a big success. With that all kind of wound up, but um, uh, we shall move on to the lush pod net long. So unless you have been under a rock somewhere, uh, you will not have noticed in that case but everyone else will have that we are in the midst of a knit along we are knitting the lush cardigan by tin can knits which i mentioned we were going to be doing on the last episode and as i said at the beginning it's a joint um hosted effort between myself amy of knits been cake and the louises of knit british and caithness craft collective podcasts it is about halfway through now coming to the end of week five and there's been a lot of chatter and a lot of people taking part. It's been really enjoyable. We've never, well, I've never taken part in a knit-along that's been hosted by more than one person before in more than one group. And the only way we could really think of to host it without creating an entire separate group just for this was to host a week each. And we were taking the chat thread on Safari, essentially. So each week a different podcaster hosts the chat thread and then the other three podcasters lock the chat thread in their group so you can only chat in the one thread everyone links to the next week's one so you've got to go to a maximum of four groups before you find out where it is but that was the best way we could think of to host it and it seems to have worked quite well i know there's certainly been some new to me people um that i've met and been chatting to since the knit long started and also some old favourites in there who were, who were always in on the action and always in on every knit along at Louise Tilbrook I'm looking at you and always finish first Louise Tilbrook I'm looking at you because because you're always doing really good stuff and I don't know where you find the time quite frankly uh, more on you later and it's been really chatty and really good fun it started in mid-July it's going to carry on running until the 14th of September and a lot, quite a few people have actually finished already, so I think you probably could do an adult-sized garment if you were very monogamous about it between now and the 14th of September. 
Um, but in order to be considered for one of the prizes, you need to be over 75% done. Which means you need to have done the whole body and one arm, one sleeve. You have to be a one-armed bandit to be in the running, essentially. The good thing about Tin Candlet's patterns is they come from baby size all the way up to, I think, 4XL. So you don't have to knit one for you. If you want to join in and you're a bit worried about the amount of time that we've got left, then why not knit a little tiny one? You're never going to go wrong for baby gifts. Nobody wants the Hexipuffs, remember? Sod Hexipuffs. Um, give them a Lush instead. It, they're really cute. They, they make a really cute cardigan, especially now winter's coming. To have a little kind of throw of a cardigan like that, um, to put over the top of a long sleeve top in autumn and then obviously in winter, um, something a little bit more substantial, I think could be really good, really useful. So you could consider doing a small one instead and then slow time do a matchy-matchy one for you. And I'm actually doing a jaw-sized one, but as we've heard, I'm not six foot, I'm only five foot three, which presents some benefits in the knitting a cardigan uh, stakes. So I started mine on on the cast-on date, which I think was the 20th or the 21st of July. All the weeks have merged into one somewhat, so I can't quite remember. And I had planned to have mine done by the 27th of August. That it's going to be a bit of a push now. I've only just split for the arms. The 27th of August is next week. It's in five days. Uh, no, it's not going to be done by then. It'll probably be done by the, 15th, uh, by the 14th of September. Mostly because of, of a few different things. The main one being the York. Yeah. Um... We all started and I was doing quite well. I decided to cast on the medium size initially um, because I have some quite weird measurements because not only am I a midget, well, I'm not technically a midget because I'm not small enough, um, but I'm quite small and um, I think when I measured I was like a 38, 32, 41 hip. So, yes, I definitely got the whole pear-shaped um, body shape going, going on there and... I wasn't, I didn't want, with, with the garment that has negative ease, and this garment is knit with one to three inches of negative ease, I didn't want anything skin tight over my hips because they are big enough as it is without drawing even more attention to it. So I decided to knit the medium size because I thought, well, that is going to be a little bit loose on up top, but you can always get like a proper runcom bridge suspension bra and kind of boost a little bit up top, and then it won't... You know, the, I'll just leave the waist shaping as, as is. I won't take it in too far because sometimes that can make it, the hips look even bigger. Anyway, that meant that when you did the provisional cast on, and I wrote a blog post about it, I found loads of videos. The cast on part of it wasn't complicated. Um, when it came to picking up the other side of the stitches, you have, instead of like the thin lacy leaves going out, like the stem of the leaf and then the leaf at the end, you end up with quite a large diamond shape in the middle of your back where obviously as you scale the size up the pattern doesn't quite work in in certain sizes you have to have a big diamond instead of a lacy pattern I thought the reason this was annoying me so much because I had a massive meltdown and I almost didn't carry on knitting it but peer pressure dictated and the fact that the black yarn is absolutely amazing um, that I carried on I almost didn't carry on because I was so annoyed with it 
um, because obviously when you pick up the other side of the provisional cast on the stitches are offset by half a stitch because of what you've done and I thought it was this that was bugging me but I was wrong and I found that out when Claire Devine just said look maybe you must just make the small so I know I didn't send a tall South African then but imagine I did and um, she said to me look just make the small one Joe, because actually make the top and the waist fit and then bodge out the hips a little bit because you're probably going to stop before the widest part of your hip anyway so it won't be as big as what you think it's going to be and I'll help you bodge it out if you need and maybe you must just do the small and then you don't have this diamond in the middle of the back and that was the problem I think I, I thought it was just being massively OCD and wanting it to be really neat and part of it was that because I think when a pattern is right in the middle of your back it's got to look right it's, it's not I don't want a messy something that looks messy in the middle of my back and I don't want to knit a cardigan with something that looks messy in the middle of my back in a yarn that's 850 a ball <laughs> but it wasn't that because it wasn't actually that untidy when you look at some other people's ones it doesn't look that untidy what was annoying me about it I came to realize was the fact that it was like a diamond in the middle of the back and it's very square and the rest of the pattern is very wavy and I know that sounds weird but it was really jarring I just didn't like how it looked I wanted wavy 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 together and when I've done a small size because it's wavy and you can't and it's got the lacy bit it's not it's still offset by one stitch because it has to be or half a stitch rather because it has to be that's how it works but it's not bugging me anywhere near as much um, in fact it looks quite nice so I'm definitely sure it was the diamond and not not the actual provisional cast on being offset to one side um i appreciate i'm a little bit odd i'm not going to argue with you I, i'm not saying that anyone else's diamond shaped medium ones are, are bad or anything like that it, it's just when something annoys me like that it's like a squeaky clutch i just can't let go of it i get a bit over focused on things at times so now it seems to be going quite well as i said i've just split for the arms i also did a blog post on short row shaping because you use short rows on the collar and some people didn't like how their wraps and turns were turning out um, so I used the uh, concealed wrap technique which is a cat body video uh, which I've mentioned before because I used it in the aviatrix hat that I knitted quite a while ago the quality of the video is poor but what she's saying and how she demonstrates it is very good and cat body if for the off chance you listen to my podcast please will you record a new one because it's really really good um, but it's very blurry and I think that probably puts people off and it can be a bit hard to understand at times because it's so blurry um, but what you're saying is awesome so um, I linked to that as well and I ended up using when I cast on the second time a different provisional cast on I used the winding cast on which was recommended to me by Jess of Ginger Twist Studios thank you Jess, legend everybody knows I already love her anyway but she, I like her even more now um, she'd already done a big size, she'd done a medium and then she did a little wee matchy matchy one um, in this lovely hand dyed yellow colour called Liquid Sunshine, it's the best, most appropriate name for a yarn ever, it's really sweet. She was using that, a lot of other people have used other yarns, I, as brief last time, decided to use blacker yarns, blacker swan, which is 100% Falklands Merino, the Falklands are British after all, thank you for all of those who were like yes you're so right, I enjoyed your passionate rant about the Falklands in the last episode, um, yarn, it is in the sea green colourway, 
and I have no words for how much I love this yarn. It is so soft to work with, it's so nice and again I probably wouldn't have carried on knitting this cardigan if I hadn't liked the yarn quite as much as I do. In fact I might just never knit with any other DK ever again. It's lovely. It It's really nice to work with. The colour is very subtle and very pretty when it comes out. It's very even and it's got some little darker strands of it's a blended yarn this one that's been over dyed and when you block it it just blooms and fluffs up and it's so soft and it's going to be so warm and lovely I just can't wait to have it finished so I can wear it yeah I just it's just brilliant I think um from when I was reading about it the, the shorts, um, Ali and Andre short who live at Swan Inlet Farm, which is where all of the fleece comes from that makes this yarn, uh, they, they don't basically use anything less than 22 microns. They're just like, meh, I don't want that. It's got to be the best. And um, I can see why, because it is really, really, really nice. And as I mentioned, we do have some prizes. One, uh, Some of the prizes have come from Blacker, but the first treat that we got from Blacker is they are offering 10% off um, Blacker Swan until the 14th of September with the code LUSH5634. I will put that in the show notes and it is on the Lush Knit Along thread as well. So if you would like to take advantage and try some of their yarn, I don't think you have to knit the Lush with it, um, but if you'd like to try the Blacker Swan, I highly, highly recommend it. In fact, my husband has found some of the Blacker Swan in a shop in Stanley in the Falkland Islands and is bringing me 10 balls of that back as well in his flying helmets. So um, I'm definitely a convert and I, I mean, it isn't super wash. That's the only, the only thing with it really, if you're going to use it for something that's maybe needs a bit more of a hammering when you're going to wash it more often. But um, yeah, it's so, so nice. I've definitely got more of that in my future without a doubt so if you would like to take advantage of that it's lush 5634 for 10% off which runs until the 14th of September as I mentioned there is still time to join in there are some prizes there is one prize each of um, three balls of blacker elegance which is one of their new yarns that's come out which is a Corridale and Alpaca mix I think it's very nice comes in natural shades There's three balls of that times four prizes one for each podcaster so make sure you post in each group each chat thread to be part of that there is also some prizes that have been very very generously donated by um, Tin Can Knits as well and that again is uh, three three sets of patterns one, uh, four sets of three patterns one for each group and each of the podcasters has also donated a prize. Uh, the prize from me is a skin of Malabrigo sock in the colourway Solace, I think it's called, which is green. It's very nice. I bought it when I was like 40 weeks pregnant and it's just too green for me. So I need to set it free, be free into the world. So I have donated that. I think there's a project bag from Daisy Bumboo Designs by Amy of Knitspin Cake. There is a project bag, probably a nice tartan one. Um, so if you're into your Outlander, then this could be for you from Caithness Craft Collective Handmade. 
uh, by her little mum. Everyone's got their mum working in project bag sweatshops, it's brilliant. Um, so that is from her. And also, Louise of Nick British has some Juno Fibre Arts um, red, beautiful red. I want this red yarn. And I think that's an alpaca blend as well. And then also some Shetland um, yarn that's been donated. So there's loads and loads of prizes. The chat is really good. It's a good opportunity to meet new people, get yourself a nice winter cardigan, and um, if not, if you want to make something smaller, um, then or you're on a bit of a budget, consider doing one for a child or get yourself some West Yorkshire spinners. I just got some for the beast. I'll let her pick her own one so I can make her a little matchy-matchy lush when I finish mine. And I got three balls and four seventy-five a ball from harbouryarns.co.uk. Came the next day, brilliant service, and um, she picked the blue off off the screen. I said, "Right, pick what colour you want." She picked the blue, and when it turned up, she said, "It's too dark." So, well, guess what? You're having it. Um, that is a seventy-five percent wool, twenty-five percent nylon blend, so perfect for just like, throwing in the washer or what have you for her, and a bit more hard wearing for her. I need three balls because she's enormous. She's already 104 centimetres. She's not even three and a half yet. So she's the 91st centile, which means knitting stuff for her means a bit bigger of, of investment in terms of time and money. So she's um, she's going to get a matchy-matchy lush in probably like an age six or something because um, she's in age five to six clothes already. So I'm definitely going to be a hobbit soon. But hey, digressing again. And also a huge thank you to Blackie Yarns for offering us a prize such a very generous prize and a discount uh, for this knit along if um you are using blacker or you're interested in blacker they've just got a new ravelry group i'll link to that in the show notes go over there and take a look because you can also if you use blacker double double they've got a summer knit along crochet along competition going on at the moment so you could double up and enter in there as well for more chances to win so as mentioned we've got an interview this episode I want to do a series of interviews with Yarnies and indie dyers and designers and things just to give you a bit more of an insight really into what they do and how they go about what they're doing and their inspirations and things and also a little bit about the business aspect of things because it's all very easy to be like oh brilliant yarn whoa it's brilliant this is great lovey 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 and forget that for for a lot of people this is a livelihood and they've you know they work really hard uh, to provide us with the yarny goodness which we all so clearly need and you know we like to support our indies as well and uh, by shopping with them and uh, looking after them reciprocally really so my first interview uh, in this series is with claire divine of yarn and pointy sticks designs who um is is a personal friend of mine who I've known since uh, so since being in South Africa and have been with us kind of through this whole journey that she's gone on um, to becoming a designer and tech editor to the stars and lots of exciting stuff coming up from her and they've coll- she's collaborated with George of Yarn Garden who you will remember is has been one of our dyes for the Golden Skein and we were delighted to work with them uh, early last year, well plan it early last year when they were still quite new, they're just coming up to their one, their one year anniversary and George and Claire have collaborated to bring out some kits with Yarn Garden Yarns matched to some of Claire's patterns. These will be available at um, all the shows that George and Louise, who is the other half of Yarn Garden and the brains behind the outfit, in my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, George. And um, 
they will be at all the shows they're at. Now, Yarn Garden have put the time in this year. They have been at every show going. So the chances are that if you go into a show, they will be there. And pop along, say hello to them, because they're really lovely. They're very friendly people. They've got some great yarns, including the Tease Water, which was custom spun for them. Loads of goodies to look at, so pop along and have a chat to them um, at Yarndale if you can get into the stall and other shows coming up this year. Claire will also be at Yarndale as well. And if there is any anyone interested in chatting to her... Um, there is, there's been a plan floated for a podcaster meetup, and uh, we're, we're waiting back for details from the Yarndale organisers as to an area that we can do that. And she will be there. And if you quite fancy having a chat to her as well, um, then come along because she's really, really friendly, and I'm sure she'd love uh, to chat to you and meet people who've knit her designs or have seen her work or just get your opinion. Really, she's. Um, just one of these friendly people so without further ado i shall hand over to my other self back in the future and and george and claire so i hope you enjoy the interview okay so i'm joined here today by george of yarn garden and claire divine of yarn and pointy sticks and sock anatomy fame to do an interview we're at unwind brighton and it's about half past four, so everything's calmed down a little bit now. And we're going to have a, a chat about the upcoming um, collaboration and uh, some other stuff, really, I guess. So, I think just to kick off, can you tell us a bit about um, you as a person? We'll start with you, George, and then go on to you, Claire, and a bit about how you became interested in Yarny sort of pursuits, really. Hello, Joe. Hi. <laughs> um, well, I've been a chemistry teacher for 30 years, and um, when that finished last August, um, I was looking for a pursuit that would be scientific in a way, but artistic in a way, something would bridge both, because I've done a lot of artistic things in the past as well. And um, Louise wouldn't let me make fireworks. <laughs> because that obviously would she said no and um, and the chemistry of the dyeing is really interesting anyway and I thought I'll give it a go and that's all it was I just thought I'll give it a go and now I can't stop do you know what when you said that about the fireworks then you put me in mind of Heisenberg off of um, Breaking Bad no I haven't tried that really you don't dye yarn in your underpants <laughs> that wouldn't be the worst comparison with Heisenberg it could have meant <laughs> but as our workshop has got one wall which is completely glass and the uh, artisan unit is facing onto their cafe that wouldn't go down very well I don't think might put some funny. people off their lunch oh, I don't know yeah it could be interesting mask, you know. but mask. no underpants just a mask <laughs> we're now moving to a whole nother sorry I had to lower Shall the tone shall I just be quiet I? for ten minutes now and let you two go <laughs> Let's keep talking about yarn. Um, so you introduce yourself now. I think, oh. I think George has done this introduction. Yes. Um, I suppose I started knitting in Australia when it was about 38 degrees. I think I got it the wrong way around. I spent many years being cold living in England and then went to one of the hottest places on the planet and started knitting. And um, it's really just moved from there. It's become an 
little bit of an obsession. I'd like to pretend I have it under control, but I don't. And um, since moving to Edinburgh, I've started doing more and more um, sort of knitting and designing and um, working with lots of exciting people because there's lots of exciting things to do. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, so at what point, what was the tipping point that made your hobby or your pastime turn into a business, George? It wasn't really like that, as I said, because I only thought it was interesting I'll have a go. Mm. I didn't expect it or plan for it to take them, really. Um, but it did. And... Um, can't imagine myself stopping that really. In fact, a lot of the other artistic things I used to do, theatre and music and stuff, mm. is all put on the back burner. I don't think I probably picked a guitar up, for example, and since I started dying wool. Wow. You guys do work very hard, though, in all fairness. You are at every single show. Seems to have much time Thank for you very it. much. Well, you are. You do what you put the hours in. That's, that's not an unfair comment, I don't think. Yeah, I've been around a bit, yes, from here as a first south. Actually, that's ipso facto got to be true. You go splashed, don't you, if you go any further south. Mm. And uh, the Highland Bull Show and everything in between. There we go. Wow, that's pretty impressive. It is. Dedication. What about you, Claire? Um, well, I started designing and when my little girl was about six months old because I needed something to use my brain. Um looking after children is very challenging but not amazingly mentally stimulating and um, I didn't really know how far it would go I always thought I didn't want to be my own boss and then I started working for the man again a couple of months ago and I realized that actually being my own boss is a really good option so I've been building up the designing and um, workshops and trying to make connections um, with sort of people with like-minded people and um, as of the end of July I'll be completely on my own doing my own thing which is nerve-wracking but exciting lovely and what was the tipping point that got you two guys working together um i spoke to louise about doing workshops mm. because i teach knitting in edinburgh and um, i really love teaching knitting i love watching people learn sort of and, and become sort of engrossed in this in this hobby and um i wanted to start teaching in, in different places so i heard about their studio opening from you, I think. The great connection of all knitting people. Um, Joe, the, the networking um, queen. And um, yeah, so I got in touch. And then I'm not sure, I think maybe I've spoken to Louise actually. That's um, true, yes. Yeah. It um, has been very serendipitous, really. The whole thing has, from even getting into dyeing wool and running yarn garden, yeah. to the people that you meet who you know, you appreciate his creative that you've done work with. It's almost just happened. Yeah. Which is which is great actually. I think sort of it and and it happens I think because it happens so organically it 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 seems to be quite positive. Like nothing feels forced, it doesn't feel um, like I've not been doing this for that long, but all the kind of collaborations that I've I've ended up working on just work because mm -hmm. they fall together for whatever reason and that sort of reason makes them really great so no oh, awesome so obviously you've had a really good start you're <coughs> working with Jess at Ginger Twist Studio you guys are working together you've been at all the shows seen loads of good stuff about Yarn Garden but nothing that we ever do in life ever goes 100% smoothly and there's always times where things don't go to plan 
Can you think of a time when something went quite badly? I'm not interviewing you for a job, by the way. I'm just trying to, you know, get some lessons, maybe, for me. <laughs> and uh, Can you ever think of a time where things didn't go to plan and then what you learned from that to kind of move forward? I'll start with you first, Claire, because George is just staring at me. <laughs> I'm just thinking... I'm just wondering whether I dare say what came into my mind. <laughs> I'll think about it when it gets to me. I'll see if I've... <laughs> You're brave enough to tell him. <laughs> I'm actually quite in the middle of something that has just gone a bit pear-shaped and it's taught me a really important lesson. Um, for the last month, I've been juggling um, quite a lot of exciting projects and finishing up my job mm-hmm. and looking after um, my little one. And I'm an optimist that believes, you know, that there are 48 hours in every day. And um, I suppose it's one of those designer things that you learn. Is I, I created something really beautiful that I'm really excited about but writing the pattern was really difficult and I sort of tried to get it done and then thought, oh no, this, I need to get it done. I sent it out and it was a complete catastrophe because it was there were mistakes in it and the, te- and it, the whole test in it just went pear-shaped and I've actually just had to stop all of it because sometimes I thought trying to go at 100 miles an hour, the wheels are just going to come off. You just have to be sensible sometimes, which is tricky. Um, and I suppose it's a lot, well, we were talking about this earlier, about learning to balance um, things and making sure that I suppose sometimes doing something slower, even though it might seem that it's slower, is actually better than doing something quickly because it's counterproductive. Yeah, because um, it's quite easy to get caught up in the excitement, isn't it? And, and, and overstretch yourself a little bit sometimes. Yeah. And you just want to make something work, but actually you create way more work for yourself by wanting to make it work instantly rather than just stopping and waiting. And um, as always, all my test knitters have been really understanding because knitters are lovely. The woolly people time. are all so so lovely. So <laughs> it's not <like> the <laughs> end of the true. world. It will be so fine. Tells us. It's true. So now I'm over to George. I'm wondering if he's thought I of know, something. I know. I'm dying yet. to hear what he's got <laughs> to say know. now. Oh, well, what? <laughs> what? I it's meant to be a hard question. <laughs> when you said things that have gone wrong, it's kind of we've got a new rule in Yarn Garden that when you're at a show, so you haven't got a swift and a baller. Louise isn't allowed to try and ball a skein of wool because <laughs> she always thinks she can. And she never has been able to. She's seen other people do it, I'm sure. You know, you could kind of hold the ball in the hand and hang it over your own arms. Oh dear. Anyway, so, so that, we've had that new rule about three times. It'll stick eventually, I'm sure. I've said it out loud now. I'm just going to get myself into trouble when she hears this. Does it just end up in a big tangle on the floor? Oh, yes. Does it then become your responsibility to sort out the tangle? To start with, it did, yes. This always happens in my house because I like to try and wind things and then it becomes a tangle and then it's no longer my responsibility. You see, it's dedication to the customer, you see? She wants the customer to be happy. Possibly. But apart from that, (laughs) changing the subject quickly. Yeah, I was going to say. The only thing would be really I think some frustrations when there's dyeing you want to do and you can't quite get it right. Yeah. I used to take orders from people that would come maybe to the store and show you a bit of thread or something and say could you dye some you know, <laughs> some sock this colour or something and I always used to say yes the trouble being that when somebody's actually at the store and they pick a bit, bit of wool up and they like it and they buy it from you I know in you know in my heart that that is what they wanted because they came and saw it and they bought it. Yeah. Whereas sometimes I've gone, yes, I can dye a bit of cobweb that red for you, and mm. I've taken the thread away. And what happens is I dye 
five of them, oh, that's not quite right, and then die another five, oh, that's not quite right, until I get the one that I think's good enough for them. And even then, when I send it off, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's, I can't convince myself that they're going to be happy with it because mm. they weren't there at the store and picked it up and squished it and went, oh, that's great, I'll have that. Um, so sometimes I've ended up with quite a lot of wool that's Best similar in colour <laughs> to the one that the customer wanted. So now we've learned not to do that. That's, that is a mistake. Um, I should either dye it and go, well, it is really nice, even if I think you know, it's slightly greener than they wanted or whatever. Um, and just send it to them. So now, if people want something, we say, yes, we definitely can. Mm. I'll take the suggestion and I'll dye it. But I'll tell them, <coughs> excuse me, that I'll just put it on the internet when I've done that. Yeah. And send them an email to say it's there. Yeah. So, so that if they do buy it, if they want it, it's fine if they don't. Mm. I know in my heart that it is really what they wanted. And I don't have to be going, oh no, it's not quite right, is it? Yeah. No, because we, we have a similar thing with TGS. That's why I'm kind of nodding sagely along with you because the, the people haven't seen it when they get it. And you just sit there thinking, <gasps> I hope they like it. And it oh, is stressful. Oh, I think stressful. that's completely different because that, what's going to be in the box, is what people have signed up for. I know. That's what they've bought into. I can imagine how it would be the so, same. For the yes. same reason you're like, well, I've yeah. made this... this perfect red skin that's just like that tiny bit of red thread you gave me it's still, it's still the nice. worst one was a woman who wanted a black one it was black but slightly brown but it was black really I'd even bought some black dyes that I hadn't had before mm. and they're just not and I remember from painting there's like a dark blue and a dark brown mm. that an artist would mix, to get, mix together to get it black rather than buy black black pigment yeah. and I just wondered whether that I wonder if that'll work with um, dyes mm. and it was spot on it's oh, better brilliant. than using the black dye so it's like a, a dark chestnut colour or something mm. and like a dark navy blue gives you a better black than the black dye I didn't know that my first secret alright oh, all the secrets <laughs> are coming out now ok then so we'll go from, from our kind of what, what we did wrong and what we learnt from it and we'll go to what's been the high point of your kind of journey into Yarny entrepreneurism so far we'll go straight back to you George so what Claire was saying about mm. woolly people just everybody mm. is so nice everybody that we've met has been helpful mm. sometimes extraordinarily helpful um, so that's been great we've been in business for slightly less than a, a year. Mm. Um, so there's a limited number of times when people have taken wool that have died, and then later on I've seen the product of the artistic input they've put into it because yeah. I've seen the garment. Either the company's still wearing it or they've put a photograph on the internet for us. Well, not necessarily for us, but I've seen yeah. it. And it just blows me away every time. I, I still find it hard to believe that I spent so much time trying to get it right And then people spend so much more of their time with it as well to get yeah. to an end product that hopefully they like. And it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's so lovely. And of course sometimes, or a lot of the time, it's people use knitting as therapy and there'll be a very specific story and a reason why they're knitting that garment with the materials they're using. So it kind of even adds on top of that even more kind of meaning to things because quite often when you wear, wear kind of a shawl you think oh well this was happening when I knit this shawl 
So to think you, uh, the amount of hours that have gone into all of that to that end product is pretty amazing, really. Well, certainly Yarn Garden buys into that, you know, hugely. Mm. We really believe in, you know, the community and mm. how um, people value things that they themselves have made and that people in the family or friends have made for them that they've got in a completely different way than the value of the things in the house. Yeah. There's some things in the house that are not even made by a person, there's plenty of stuff just made by robots. Mm. And it's just not the same as the wooden thing your grandfather made or whatever. No, definitely It's a completely, not. completely different mm. relationship between the person that owns it and the object. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Claire? I, d I suppose, and I'm not to copy George, but I suppose it's been people for me. I remember when South Africa, the knitting sector is very different, mm. um, and a lot of knitting in South Africa happens in Cape Town. So it was quite sort of, though it was a, a good community, and, and as podcast listeners will know from when you were there, there was a community. It wasn't the same as I found in the UK. And I just have to say, it's just that it, it's, it constantly surprises me the amazing things that happen when people work together and I remember mm. when I first got to Edinburgh and I was like I have to go to the shop I have to find a shop and um, when I went and asked Jess if I could teach you know and sort of the response and then the response when I started working with Louise and George just the way things come together um, it's just brilliant right so what's the best piece of advice you've ever received me hmm I think just kind of go for it. I think um, sometimes it's quite difficult to believe in yourself, especially, I think this goes back to what you were saying about sort of how much investment you have in something you've made or something you've created. Um, and sort of if you put that sort of time and creative energy into something, it's quite difficult to put that out there because if that gets knocked back, it's a big, you know. But I think um, someone once said to me that you must just go for it, like just... And, and it's actually paid off. There's been a lot of things where people have been like, oh, how did you organise that? And I'm like, oh, I just asked and hoped. Yeah. And thought, what's the worst thing someone can say to me? No, or not for me at the moment, or I don't like it. So that's been the best advice, and it's served me well. Sometimes it's nerve-wracking, but it's served me well. Yeah, definitely. Just asking, I think, just doing something is, is definitely a big one. What about you, George? I think <laughs> over the years in teaching, I've given so many kids so much advice. I wonder if they were asked whether the, any of the things that I've ever yeah. said to them would crop up on their list of things. I think it's probably be clear about what you want. That's a good one, I think. I'm not very good at it, <laughs> which is why I think I've got to put that at the top of my list of sage things that I should be thinking about. But it's become more important in my life just recently. Yeah. And even when talking about serendipitous things that happen, stuff happens, and you, unless you're clear about what it is that you want, how do you know that that's going to move you in the right direction? But if you are clear about what you want, it's really obvious whether it's going to move you in the right direction or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Definitely. And it kind of ties into what you were saying about you're not really sure which part of work you want to do, so you take all things and actually yeah. you kind of need to focus a little bit yeah. on, like you said, where you're going in your journey. Absolutely. Oh, brilliant. Right. Um, okay, they've brought the hoover out for us now, you know. I think it's the men's traps, to be honest. Um, which one thing that you know now do you wish you'd known when you picked up that first ball of yarn? 
wants to go first? You're laughing. Mine, mine is not what I know. So I'll try to keep the... The reason I knit is because when we were backpacking in Australia, I really wanted to buy a hat, a beautiful hand-knitted hat that we absolutely couldn't afford. And my now husband pointed out quite strongly that we couldn't afford it. So I, in my stubborn way, went, oh, fine, I'll just knit my own hat then. And I think if he knew now... <laughs> how much yarn we would have in our tiny flat he would never have picked that fight and I would just have one hand knitted hat and my life would have continued just as it was going but instead he didn't let me buy it and now we have a cupboard full of yarn <laughs> and lots and lots of hand knitted things which I'm very happy about but yes oh, that's a brilliant one actually <laughs> slightly not the answer to your exact question but yes that's why I chuckled because I thought I can think of perfect Perfect it's a good answer. answer. It's a good answer. What about you, George? I'm going to bend the question as well. Because, <laughs> hey, no, because, because I'm, 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 a, I'm a chemist. And um, it's all about getting sage advice from people. I'd still probably want to check it out myself. So the fact that I knew absolutely nothing at the start. Mm. And it's built up and built up from what I've been able to experiment I did that little finger twitchy thing, like in inverted yeah. commas, but you can't see that in a podcast, can you? No. <laughs> so the exp- uh, um, even if somebody had given me the sage advice, so I knew beforehand, I'd still want to check and make sure that we're right, I think. Because mm. I just wouldn't like believe it unless I'd pressed the button myself or, you know. So it's been a journey, so I don't think I'd want to miss any of it out. Yeah. No, it's a fair point, actually. That's a good one. So, it's time for the random question. You'll be glad to know it's not quite as serious, this one. Everybody knows that knitters love cake. If you were a cake, what would you be and why? No one's going to psychoanalyse this, don't worry. I don't know. What's your favourite cake? You've just been out for lunch with me and seen how long it takes me to choose one thing... They've witnessed how long it's taken me to choose yarn off their stall that I've still not chosen. I don't know. I don't have a favourite cake. You'll have to come back to me. George? Passion cake, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) No, really. Obviously, why? (laughs) That's not for me to say why. Ask ask Louise. (laughs) (laughs) It's a family podcast, George. What's What's going on here? I'm completely stumped now. What am I supposed to say to follow on to that one? Okay, I'll let you off the cake one then. Um, What is your favourite go-to fibery resource for your knitting or or business even? The thing that you think, my life is so much easier because I have this one thing that helps me out. Like, say, Evernote or something like that. Not for me. I don't have an Evernote. I have a Moleskine. But for you? Lockable stitch markers. Oh, get it. Because that's how I roll. Because you can use them for all sorts of things. You really can. And they appear in all sorts of strange places when you're a knitter. Yesterday morning in the airport, I looked down at my bright purple Barney trousers that I have recently been sporting and noticed that clipped to my belt was a bright green lockable stitch marker. Why it was there, I never know. But they can be used for lots and lots of things. I always talk about them in my workshop. I think people who come to Jess's shop think that I get commission for local stitch markers. Because I'm like, you really need some of these to do this, this, and this. They're really, really good. And I'm not selling these on commission, but they are. But they're brilliant. I love them. Small, but incredibly useful. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that was the chapter on stitch markers. Scarily passionate about stitch markers, to tell you the truth. Maybe I need some of that yeah. passion cake about stitch markers. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
She really <laughs> likes stitch markers, George. What about you? <laughs> I like my moleskin too. Amy Nicholson uh, introduced me to something called bullet journaling, mm. and it's brilliant. Have a look on the internet, everybody. Bullet journaling. Yeah. And I suppose I've got a shelf full of books as well. And I like looking things up. Yeah, that's always good. I've heard a lot of people talking about bullet journaling, actually. I haven't tried it because I can't stick to having to do things on it. Well, you could put that on your bullet journal. No, I... Stick to bullet journaling. I, I don't bullet journal. I do the little, um, you know, the little cross thing. The important, um, urgent... Not oh, important, wow. not urgent or important. And I write a big long list and then I put them in the little squares. I channel the headless chicken approach of just like panic and run. I have tried bullet journaling and I've kind of half stuck with it, but I haven't really done very well. Yeah. Have you ever, ever, ever done something that you decided wasn't um, important or urgent? Yeah, there's lots of things that go in that, but then you just don't do, have a do don't do them or get someone else to do them. <laughs> right. Usually my husband. Yeah, I have tried it, but um, I ended up only doing the things that were important and urgent. That's the whole point. You meant to do them first. That's all I ever did, though. Well, you, must, you must have doing very important and urgent work. Yeah, it was just things gradually migrated as they became more and more mm. urgent because you hadn't done them. <laughs> yeah, in my bullet journal, I have a lot of arrows to move things to the next day. You've got a bullet journal as well. I haven't really adopted it properly. I tried. I don't know who I first heard it from. I think I might have heard it from Martine. It's been very big on podcasts at the moment, but mm. I, I'm not, yeah. I do kind of like it. I'm, I'm working on it. I can't do the electronic, even though I really like electronic things. Mm. I have a paper diary and I have a paper, like, notebook and to-do list. I can't. I've tried keeping all my pattern notes in Evernote on a number of different occasions and I just don't, can't do it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of paper and pen as well. I like things to be on stuff you can touch. Except for numbers. They must mm. be in Excel. Oh, numbers Excel, do not yeah. belong on pen and paper. They belong in Excel. But I Excel. W- yeah, I won't become overly passionate about Excel because then I might be weird. Stitch markers in Excel, you know. <laughs> Put that on your epitaph. The stitch markers in Excel, girl. <laughs> I had a formula for this. Oh, is it colour-coded as well? Does it, does it all change colours? Do you proper program it? Mm, not really, no. Yeah, but I, I do use sometimes quite overly ambitious formulas to work out things that really don't need overly ambitious formulas. Just because I like to keep up to date on using my formulas and plugging them in. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so... Obviously, you're both yarny professionals in the knitting industry, and a lot of people talk about wanting to get into the knitting industry. So can you give any like one word of advice one kind of piece of advice people looking to get into the industry and then we'll talk about where we can find you on the internet and then we'll be done George um, yeah keep your books from day one. Oh yeah that's a big one isn't it everybody's nodding by the way they are yes. I'm not I don't know why I'm nodding because Kate does her books <laughs> I'm nodding because I know that I've started doing things and then I just, I have like all sorts of letters in my notebook, in my bullet journal that I haven't intended to, so yeah, I'm not very good at that, but um, I suppose, I think it's about working hard, but knowing that you're really lucky. I've heard a lot recently of people saying, oh, you know, people want to work in the knitting industry and it 
it's a lot of really hard work and it is a lot of really hard work but I often think we need to stop and take stock and think we're doing something that we absolutely love and people are paying us to do it mm. that's awesome and it takes hard work but um yeah, I think people must just give it a go. You know, there's still plenty of room out there if you can find your niche, um, and you do what you do well. There's loads of room out there for you. I yeah. would concur. Yeah, find mm. your niche. Yeah. I wonder what mine is. I think we know what yours is. <laughs> I don't have it's to just I'm not going to that either. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Baking passion fruit cake in his <laughs> underpants. <laughs> And, and it descends into chaos again. George and Claire, thank you very much for your time this afternoon, for your insights and, and for your honesty in the passion cake department, George. <laughs> it's been lovely talking to you. Where can people find you on the internet um, or elsewhere if they want to come and say hello? Best places are web shop, I suppose, for most people down here anyway, down in the south. Um, at yarngarden.co.uk or you could email Louise at louise at yarngarden.co.uk yeah. um, or we've got a workshop at the minute at the Beacon in Newcastle you so do. you can have a look at that on the internet um, the workshop's quite small and we're probably looking for something a little larger at the minute exciting you have a knit night too, don't you? We do. We've called it um, Thursday Knit Out. Does that roll off the tongue properly? Does that sound a bit like Thursday Knit Out? Knit Out, yeah. It does. All oh, right. And on Saturday as well. Oh, brilliant. And you're on Twitter? Yes. Is that Louise that's Louise on Twitter? Louise is on Twitter. Because uh, you just looked to me as if to be I like, am, I don't talk to you on Twitter, yes, Claire. Well, you might think you're talking to me, but you're not. Two, two or three <laughs> talks every week about the fact I should do more Twitter. Mm. No, it's good. But it's good I talk to Louise people. on Twitter then. Mm. Louise on Twitter. I can't think what your handle is on Twitter. Joe can fill it into the show notes. Louise, yeah. very nice. It's just Louise. Yarn Garden. Yarn Garden. Yarn Garden. Louise. Okay. What about you? I have a blog um, at yarnandpointysticks.com. Mm-hmm. Is it um, a blog? <laughs> and um, you can get me on email at yarnandpointysticks at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter as under slash Claire Divine someone else got in there and used my name mm. and um, I'm on Instagram as Claire.Divine and you can usually find me in Ginger Twist Studio in Edinburgh <laughs> pretty much <laughs> I do frequent them rather a lot I live around the corner so yeah if you're in Edinburgh give us a shout we have great yarn shops and we're always happy to show people around and stuff so cool lovely well as I said thank you very much for your time Enjoy the rest of the show. What's left of it? I think I'm going to go to the pub now. Thank you for listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found on the blog at www.shinybees.com. Music used in this episode is by Adam and the Walter Boys, and it's I Need a Drink, available by Music Alley. That's alright. Well, I can have one of your bags.
Um, <laughs> none of much. them are actually mine. Are they yours? No. 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 Do, do you mean the unwind Brighton bags? Yes. I um, think if you... Oh, so no one out in the front? I thought they brought them back here. Uh, oh, I don't know. No. They might not have to. Have some Look for someone in a white t-shirt. They'd be much better to place to help you. No worries. Okay. I am leaving that in. I'm sorry, That's I am. brilliant. <laughs> yes. It's happened all the time. Uh, no. It must happen all the time. Well, it's obviously like some wine. <laughs> okay, then. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I've lost my trailer thought completely. Um, 